welcome to Pro Tinted Glasses. I'm Katie. I'm Bailey. And we are back with another Pro's Tinted Classic. Woohoo! The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Yes, this is our our mission, my mission to read um reread books that I read in high school and Bailey's mission to read the books that she did not read in high school. <laughs> yes. Although, funny enough, both of them that we've picked are books that I did not read in high school and read as an adult. We will get to the ones Katie read in high school eventually. I think we started mostly with ones that I felt least hateful about reading. (laughs) (laughs) Which is totally fair. So I guess that brings us to our history with this book. Um, I read it for the first time in like 2020, I think. Um, with our friend Emily, we did a little classics book club and we read Dorian Gray together. It was very cute. I obviously have never read it. I did finish it about 45 minutes before recording, which is a new record of time finished. Um, I did start it (laughs) yesterday. Yeah, but you had, you had so much time between when you finished and when we hit record. It's really impressive. No, I know. I made a grilled cheese sandwich. I had so much time. I made a grilled (laughs) cheese sandwich. That's just, I think that's the most amount of time you can have is enough time to make a grilled cheese sandwich. That's what I'm saying. This is a, it's a new era for me, guys. I will continue to start the the books the day before we're recording, but I'm getting better at finishing (laughs) them in time. It was really tempting because um, our violent ends came in from the library finally. And so the whole time I'm on my Kindle reading Dorian Gray, I was like, what if I just, what if I just (laughs) started reading Chloe Gong? What if I just went over here? (laughs) But I didn't. I finished the picture of Dorian Gray with time to spare and time to to think (laughs) about it before we talked about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess, like, what was your knowledge of Dorian Gray going into this, if you had any? Basically, I had functionally no knowledge when I thought of it. Um, I did vaguely remember, like, it's it's about a painter and it's an indictment on society, but isn't that what every classic is? An indictment on society? <laughs> yeah, that is fair. That's it. That's all I knew, really. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's fair. Um. So I I also had a pretty like vague understanding of what it was. I think I knew about the thing where like the picture got more evil. Which we'll we'll do a brief plot summary here in a minute, but I think I knew like the basic concept there, um, and then I also knew there is a Dorian Gray movie starring Pod Fave Ben Barnes. What? What? Yeah, the two thousand the two thousand nine film stars Ben Barnes as Dorian Gray. Okay, no, I didn't know about this. Last <laughs> we were actually talking about. A couple of friends came over to watch the 20th anniversary of the Harry Potter movie thing, and we were actually talking about Ben Barnes because they were talking about a fan cast of Ben Barnes playing Sirius Black in a Marauders era production that doesn't exist, but that we want to exist. But it it might as well exist. The fan cast, I mean, the fan cast has been uh, pervasive for many years. It is Ben Barnes is Sirius, Andrew Garfield is Remus, and um, Austin Taylor Johnson. Is that his name? I don't know. 
Hang on. I did not. I, I don't am, think it's Austin. Aaron Taylor Johnson as James. I should not be at all surprised that Colin Firth is also in this adaptation. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, what what sort of period piece is Colin Firth not in at this point? It, that's exactly like I see his name. Okay. Dude. Shut up. I had no idea this existed. Thank you for not putting this in the outline <laughs> and letting me discover this. Like, while we're while we've got hot mics. You're welcome. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> always happy to to give you um, an epiphany or a discovery. Or just another excuse to watch Ben Barnes. Also true. I will take any excuse to watch Ben Barnes. So, um, yeah, I knew a little, like, once I started reading it and realizing what was happening, I, like, recalled that I knew about the picture, like, taking on the evil, mm-hmm. but, like, when I sat down to first start it yesterday, I sure didn't. I <laughs> it, this was this is like a book of the month club book where like, yeah, I read the plot summary once, and then by the time I have the book in my hands, all of that information has left my brain. So mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah, that's fair. Do we want to jump into a plot summary? I can tell you everything I learned by attempting to summarize the novel. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, you're you're welcome to take this one. Okay, I will do my best. So, okay. Dorian Gray is a young, hot person. He's being painted mm-hmm. by a painter, and during this, their complete ass of a friend is there ranting about life. And he realized he's the complete ass of a friend. It, it's Lord Henry, by the way. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Lord Henry. Total ass. He is talking about how, like, youth and beauty is fleeting, etc. And especially as the painter has spent this entire time hyping Dorian Gray up about his youth and his beauty, Dorian freaks out, pledges his soul if he could just not age and remain young and beautiful forever, etc. And then there is a long series of time in the novel in which Dorian Gray discovers that the painting is in fact taking on his aging and his sins of his debauchery, of his wrongdoings, and then we go into depth repeatedly for some of these actions until at the end he's driven to madness by this painting and the guilt and the circling thoughts and he wants to try and be better. So, spoiler alert, he attempts to slash the painting and he ends up killing himself and when they find the body he is as old and as awful as he should have been this entire time and the painting has returned to its original young and beautiful state mm-hmm. yeah i mean that that pretty much sums it up i tried not to editorialize but i certainly did editorialize <laughs> well that's okay the editorializing come comes now basically um what are your what were your like general thoughts about the novel like did you enjoy it how'd you how'd you feel about it what stood out to you <clears throat> I, d- I don't think I enjoyed it. Like, okay. that t- that doesn't mean that it was bad. I just don't think sure. I enjoyed it. I don't think that I cared for it very much. But I didn't hate it, certainly. It just doesn't speak. I don't connect with it on any level. Okay. I think um, I did enjoy it. I remember enjoying it. I I mean, I feel like typically i enjoy classics on like a different level than i would enjoy like something published in the last 10 years or so um like it's a different mode um the exception of course being 
my fave, The Count of Monte Cristo. But anyway, um, I, I enjoyed it. I really could see, you know, it's it's Oscar Wilde's only novel, um, and I knew I knew enough about Oscar Wilde when I was reading it to know that um, he was cool and he was like right. kind of um, subversive and like you know he was he was making statements and i feel like i totally understand that there are so many quotes from this book which i should have pulled ahead of time and we'll try to do now that i was like okay yeah i see why oscar wilde has like persisted as a a literary figure of note yeah as i was saying before we jumped on to the recording i know of oscar wilde much more through like modern portrayals of him as a character in other novels so uh, the first one is like a time travel novel so they actually go back to oscar wilde's time and meet him and he's able to help them through this like plot issue because he is like this sort of subversive but still in society kind of like person Mm -hmm. and Looking back, like, I guess I forgot to say this. I, I'm pretty sure I read The Importance of Being Earnest when I was younger. I don't remember anything mm-hmm. about it, though. So, hardly worth mentioning. <laughs> Fair. Um, just a, a handful of, of quotes from The Picture of Dorian Gray. Um, the books that the world calls immoral are the, are the books that show the world its own shame. Fire. Yeah, that's very true. Experience is merely the name men give to their mistakes. There were um, a lot of interesting takes about women by our fave asshole, Lord Henry. Mm-hmm. It's been a, a long enough ago that I don't really remember any um, of the commentary about women. I will what see if I can find it. Because it was like, his commentary about women was actually more of a commentary about Lord Henry than it was truly about women. Mm-hmm. But it was phrased in a way that it Lord Henry thought he was making commentary on women. I'm gonna see mm-hmm. if I can find an example of this. I don't I I don't know if you saw in the the notes, I basically like my first overall thought is like Lord Henry is unbearable, obviously, in all capitals, because that's like the point. Yeah, Lord Henry is the worst, as he is supposed to be. Um, And then, like, Basil is, like, the other end of this spectrum where he was just kind of, like, a prevaricating moral dude who, like, doesn't really do anything about his thoughts or beliefs and just kind of lets Dorian be, like, swept up into Lord Henry's shit. Right. And then Dorian, of course, is just the young, like, he's obsessed with himself and he's just very... Um, manipul. What's the word I'm thinking of? He's able to be manipulated. He's in. Yeah, he can be influenced. In yeah, yeah, for sure. I. Yeah, I mean, it's. I see why this novel persists as like as social commentary, as an indictment on contemporary society for Oscar Wilde, like. Because all of the things that he's saying, like, still can ring true. Mm-hmm. I do, I like your last note. Would you like to talk about it more? Uh, in the modern age, there's simply nothing scandalous. 
Yeah, do you mean like we've like transcended scandal where like you really can't be scandalous or do you, are you saying like nothing in this book is scandalous in the modern day? The latter. I'm saying that like he Oscar Wilde this was a scandalous book and obviously Oscar Wilde like was ended up, you know, in trouble for the homoeroticism and things like that. Um but reading it through a modern lens like I had to google what part they thought was so salacious. Mm, okay. Um because I I kind of like I figured it was the underhanded lines about like going to CD inns on the wharf, but like it's not I guess I expected given the the backlash about it that it would be more explicit. Oh, yeah, no, it was just like the 1850s or whenever this was 1890s. It was just, you know, old people times. Right. And that's that's it. I just that's but that's what my note meant was like, yeah, there's nothing in this book that stands out as like that bad. But no, there's definitely scandal in the modern day. Mm -hmm. Our scandals are just of of different substance. Mm hmm. I don't know it was because i had like no idea of where the plot was going um i i thought there were a couple of points where something was gonna happen and it didn't and i ended up the so for example when james vane was like following dorian and i definitely thought that we were gonna end with james exacting his revenge but instead fate had a, like you know he accidentally gets shot on the hunt and dorian has to take matters into his own hand, which is a better way to end the novel, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are your, like, overall thoughts beyond just liking it? Sure. Um, I I should have probably reread it before this. I thought it had been recent enough that I would remember some of the finer points. Um, I, I thought it was really funny. I think that Oscar Wilde is just a super funny and witty writer. I think there are so many, like, quotes that almost made me laugh out loud when I was reading them. And I, I, I totally agree and see what you're saying about like the commentary. It like holds up in a way, but it's also like not one-to-one applicable with modern times. No, it's not, but it, it's, it's searing nonetheless. And I think that's because of the, as you said, the witticism that um, Oscar Wilde puts into it. Like it is, it's searing. Mm-hmm. And I think nothing is more emblematic of that than Lord Henry's like entire character and every time he talks out of his ass about society and beauty and experience and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess all that kind of brings us to um, to this next point, which is that you you did actually know more about this book than I think you realized, and that's because She's Too Pretty to Burn by Wendy Hurd is a retelling basically of the and plot of, or the picture of Dorian Gray. I perhaps should have made time to read She's Too Pretty to Burn because I don't think that it was as one to one as I would have thought. So yeah, we were kind of just kind of chatting through this before we hit record and you mentioned that and I was a little surprised cuz I I thought it was pretty pretty one to one at least in the beginning. Um, Again, maybe I should have have reread it. Okay, so she's too pretty to burn is a YA 
um, LGBT retelling of of um, the picture of Dorian Gray, which I think it's also worth noting that like the picture of Dorian Gray already originally was was pretty gay, right? Like, yeah. So I like like <laughs> I said, I it wasn't as ex- as explicit as I expected based on like the my understanding of the backlash to it, but. Mm-hmm. From the moment I started reading the characters, it's pretty fucking gay. Okay, it's it's pretty gay. They they really want to have sex with Dorian for sure, both of them. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. That's that's on page with Basil. Yeah. So the she's too pretty to burn. Uh, the main character is Veronica, who is Dorian. Um, wait, sorry. Mick is Dorian. Um, Mick is like kind of introverted and lonely but she's like super gorgeous and she like doesn't really know what to do with herself in her life and then veronica is a photographer and convinces mick to let her take her photo and then veronica seems like normal this is where i i think that the one-to-oneness breaks down a little bit i think that lord or sorry i think that basil was like this like very meek um moral upstanding character who like didn't do much i think veronica is a little spicier than, than our guy basil yeah um, but, I th- but I then i think veronica now now that i'm like i just tried to google it really quickly to try to get a better idea and i am seeing a lot more parallels now that i'm reading it again i uh-huh. think veronica is controlling the she's controlling Dor- like mick i.e dorian just a little bit more here she's like leading things to happen a little stronger well, she she definitely like it like starts starts the gets the ball rolling. But the real the real you know, the Lord Henry, if you will, is Nico, who is Veronica's just like totally unfringed unfringed, totally unhinged artist friend who like all he wants is like chaos and debauchery and like to create um insane quote unquote art. Right. Um, and so as they go, as they, like, become closer, Mick starts falling more and more under Nico's spell and, like, drifting away from Veronica's influence. Which I feel like was more drawn out and She's Too Pretty to Burn, but in a, the picture of Dorian Gray, like, I feel like Dorian left Basil's uh, influence fairly early in the novel. Yeah, basically, Lord Henry shows up and he's like, this guy's a nerd. You want to come have fun? And Dorian's like, fuck yeah. Right. Um, And that's, like, the whole thing. And, yeah, there's definitely a little bit more push and pull where, like, Mick really likes Veronica, but, like, Nico is, like, so, like, magnetic. She, like, can't um, stop herself from, like, drifting farther into his world. Even as she has doubts about what they're doing with Nico, like, some of these art installations are legitimately, like, dangerous criminal undertakings. Mm Mm-hmm. I would I would argue that most of them are. Yeah, no, I I'm being circumspect. <laughs> but it's it is interesting. Yeah, now that I'm like rereading the summary, I am seeing a lot more of the parallels. Um I think maybe just I wasn't right away because the change in prose is so I just the Drastic, way the stories are yeah. told is so different. Mhm. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And then the other, the other difference that she uses to update it to like modern times is like 
the picture of Mick goes like viral on Instagram. And like, that's kind of where this attention is going. Like, I don't think the picture degrades with her sins the way that the actual portrait does, but it's definitely still like a representation of as it gets more views and more attention, she falls more prey to like wanting more of that, even in a negative way. Yeah. And she falls in more with Nico, the more I, I think what I'm seeing is like, so it's the, it's the opposite sort of because Mick doesn't want, she doesn't like having her photo taken. She wants this to be secret forever. Veronica goes behind her back to release the picture. It goes viral. And like the more viral it goes, the farther she pulls from Veronica and the, the deeper in with, with Nico into this craziness that she gets, the bigger the picture gets. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I think just generally like Veronica and Nico had a bigger part in the story past just like setting Mick on her journey. Whereas um, Lord Henry and Basil were kind of like there in the beginning and then Dorian really like took it and ran and ran with it. Yeah. And I, that's one thing that I was going to bring up that I didn't necessarily like is like Oscar Wilde runs with the long descriptions of all of the like special interest basically that dorian takes a hold of as he flits through life like trying out new things like Mm -hmm. his curio collections his this that and the other he spends a long time like describing the exact scenes dorian wants to recreate within his experiences and i was like okay we get it he wants he's adonis in a field or something no that's actually what basil painted him as but you get what i'm Mm -hmm. trying to say Mm-hmm. Like we we spent a long time describing Dorian's inner obsessions that he's flitting through, and then he discards one after another. And so, yeah. Whereas with she's too pretty to burn, we keep these two characters around. Most of this novel is self focused on Dorian and his journey. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I just didn't connect with it. I guess maybe because I'm not. <laughs> in in 19th century society trying to find hedonism or something but mm-hmm. I, I felt the the final part of the novel where it starts to build into this you can tell that the mental effect that the portrait and all of his actions are starting to like have on him as he spirals around the final coming of the end the the frenetic pace at which that happened was very good mhm yeah, I, I agree. I think that I totally see what you're saying about it kind of like dragging with all the like descriptions of his debauchery. Um which is which is fair and also it's just sort of like funny looking back on it that Oscar Wilde was like, you know what, we need to go into full detail and like I feel like that's part of what got him into trouble. He did yeah, he did go into a lot of detail and I'm not super sure that it like added all that much to the story but then again it's it's also just like already not a long novel so i really Mm -hmm. can't complain yeah i think i wonder if the like different reading experience colored our our experiences a little differently like emily and i read this over like a couple of weeks which is you, you know me i never read that slowly but we were just like reading a couple chapters and then like chatting about it as we had time yeah which was really fun I read it in one sitting, essentially. Mm-hmm. 
last night and this morning, just like jamming it all in. Not not discussing anything until this moment. Mm-hmm. So definitely a little different. Yeah, I sort of, I guess I sort of feel that like a lot of the, the like what this book is trying to say is like pretty surface level. Like I think there's a lot to dive into with like how he's choosing to do it and like what devices and motifs he's using to do it, which we probably could go into. Um <laughs> If we had, like, done a little bit more prep work for this one, as opposed to just, like, reading it and chatting about it. Like, if this were an actual English class, I feel like we could get deeper into that. But I I really think it's, like, being pretty frank about what it's trying to say. I don't think it's hiding anything at all. And I think, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to have English class. That's part of why I never read the classics (laughs) in the first place. But I I do think that, like, he's making no secret of what he's trying to say this is not this is not subtextual mm-hmm. this is no, not at all this is oscar wilde and and as the the quote you said in the beginning about how like the books the world calls immoral are their shame and that's mm-hmm. i think part of why this reaction was that um is that because the book is calling out so much of the shallow influences of society and art and youth and beauty and people are embarrassed to have been called out so directly for that, and so they react as if they've been attacked. It's like, so I guess what I'm saying is that the picture of Dorian Gray is to Oscar Wilde's society that every TikTok attack is to me. <laughs> when there's a TikTok, like, attacking me, that's that's what it felt like to read this novel when it came out. I've got it. one more really good quote from this book that i think is very funny and very like relevant to what we've been talking about not just on this one but also in um the last episode that we recorded there is no such thing as a moral or an immoral book books are well written or badly written that is all that does definitely harkens back to the discussion we just had about how um, you don't have to like it, but you can't say that it was bad because you didn't like it. <laughs> and I think that's, which, yeah, I mean, part of the reason, as I said, that I don't have English class and I don't want to super analyze stuff is a lot of these books aren't putting what they're saying on the page. And mm-hmm. I think that's because sometimes it's really hard to put what you're saying on the page without it sounding just like fucking sermon um mm-hmm. and i'm obviously not contemporaneous to this novel but there's enough on this novel that makes it feel like it's not the sermon mm-hmm. but that it's still definitely it's definitely saying it yeah i agree i kind of just don't have that much more to say about this book do you have anything else i i so i don't really either that's the thing is like i we're doing prose tinted classics, as you said in the beginning, to kind of like for you to revisit some, for me to read some. And sometimes I think that there's just not a lot to say, especially because I, for one, am, am not particularly excited about this book. So I can't sit here and, mm-hmm. and rave about things that I loved. And, and I can only say so much about what I didn't love because I I don't think it's a bad book, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that 
the reasons I don't like the writing style or why he wrote in that style. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so this is just, I, I definitely liked She's Too Pretty to Burn far better. I think that it highlights more the influence that the characters of Basil and Lord Henry had on Dorian. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting them be off screen the whole time. Yeah, I agree. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Let's start reading in between the lines. Never know what we might find. Yeah, it could be magic. Oh. Rose Tinted Glasses is hosted by myself, Bailey Utrecht, and Katie Phillips. Our logo is by Baby Truth Collections, and our theme song is by Anna Voss. Check her out on Spotify. If you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, we would love that, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye! Prose Tinted Glasses is hosted by myself, Bailey Utrecht, and Katie Phillips. Our logo is by Baby Truth Collections, and our theme song is by Anna Voss. Check her out on Spotify. If you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, we would love that, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye!